All right, there we are. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Whew. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 264, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Red. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are out in the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. And yes, I was color correcting and doing the intro all at once. It was pretty impressive. Thank you. It was pretty impressive. I, I didn't really even break stride. Good night, everybody. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> I've, I've seen you win Rocket League games while delivering lines that so. was pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it's gonna be a good show we've got some rtx 4000 and rtx 5000 series leaks uh apple has decided to expand their repair program uh it's gonna be the same thing as i always say it's probably still not enough uh, let's see. Rhett's a little quiet. Uh, Rhett, can you give me just a little bit more? I'm just about maxed out oh. over here. Oh, yeah. I could give you loads more. All right. How we looking, boys? Is that a little better? That's Need a, a little more? That's a touch better. Maybe a touch more. All right. How, how we, oh, boy. Oh, wow. You're, you're actually clipping right now. That's weird. Uh, wow. Uh, give me less. <laughs> I'll, I'll turn you up over here. How we looking right now? That's better. Too much. Okay. Let's Much try that. More, I'm going right back to clipping again. Interesting. So. Yeah. Uh, one sec. I could pull off the mic a little bit too. I don't know. Whatever you guys need. There we go. Uh, let's try that. Check, check. Checkity check. That's better. That's better. You're still just a hair under me, but I think that's a lot better. All right. Good. Cool. And go back to handheld. I'd have more control. No, no, this is good. Uh, you know, if, if I'd sent you home with one of your new shotgun mics, it'd be even better. That's true. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting to do that. Either that or you could just pull mine out of your bag because I know it's still there. It is. It, okay, okay, just checking. <laughs> Actually, Jeff, have you seen what those go for on eBay now? Uh, I have not. Sorry, but I had to hawk it. Oh. <laughs> it seemed wrong not to. <laughs> yeah. Just too too good of a bargain for them. You uh Kren I mean. chimes in with five Aussie bucks. G'day mates. Uh back in the land down under. Uh time for some Vegemite. Uh by the way, Rhett, uh we have a package to open. Uh I I took a sneak peek. I haven't really dug through it, but I I know there's a tiny little jar inside of there. <laughs> so maybe uh maybe next week uh so we tried to get an all hands on deck show this week but it ended up working out for like no one that and we're expecting freezing rain to mo roll in at like any minute and where i leave there's only like one road in and out of and uh 
as soon as we get even the slightest amount of frost, it tends to close. So uh, we decided to hold off. Maybe next week we'll do an all-hands show, because we haven't done one of those in a long time. We've got a number of beers to try and uh, and pass out. And hey, maybe even some Vegemite. Heck yeah. Everybody loves Vegemite. That's right. All right. Let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and get this, sto- this show started. There we go. Uh, Rhett, what do you got uh, on tap this evening? Okay. Well, I'm going to do the classic Rhett, drink it out of a bottle because I do have a glass here, but uh, it is uh, not clean. I thought it was, but I failed. So drinking it out of the bottle, which I know is clean. Uh, basically, uh, a, a special found at Trader Joe's, and I have had a couple of these now, and uh, they're actually pretty good. It's the Stockyard Oatmeal Stout from Joseph's Brow Brewing Company, and uh, it's pretty good. Wow, Here's all of a sudden bottle. you're clipping like crazy on my side. Don't touch anything. Okay, I think I just right. found a weird thing with my PC, because I'm capturing the audio output of my mixer to grab right. your audio and pipe it back into OBS. Well, on my old interface, it didn't matter what my PC volume was. Well, I was having a little bit of trouble hearing you, so I went, oh, I'll just select my headphones and I'll turn them up. And I turned them up like 10 dB, and your volume on my mixer went <laughs> Well, and I'm having a little bit of issue as well with this uh, hands-free setup. Normally I can hold the mic exactly in my face. I, I think that's way less of an issue than, okay. than OBS being just a little weird right now. Okay, so, okay. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna take some gain back out. I'm gonna put my gain and my compressor back where they were because I'm a little bit more comfortable with those settings. And then I'm gonna give just a couple of taps there. Try that now. Okay, how are we looking? Hey, there good? we go. What if I go. get up on it? Too loud if I'm up on it? No, that's perfect. Okay, you're so at like, like negative a little bit of three. Okay, yes. hey guys, this is what uh this is what live is all about. Woo! We're uh, keeping it real over here at Talking Heads. <laughs> Sometimes you got to work through the technicalities. That's right. Uh, like I was saying, Stockyard Oatmeal Stout from Joseph's Brow Brewing Company in San Jose, California. It's only about five point two percent, but it's actually really good. It has kind of like a, a almost like an oatmeal cookie like sort of affect to it uh it's just very rich pretty creamy has a lot of like roasted notes right so mm-hmm. um but yeah out of a bottle sorry guys oh that's all right i'll i'll forgive you for that uh i've got a couple beers queued up uh both of them oregon area beers uh first up i've got a level beer from portland oregon uh they do some fantastic barn brewing uh, this one is their Fireflower Red Ale. Uh, Northwest Red Ale clocks in at 6.3%. And then from Deluxe Brewing Company out of Albany, Oregon, uh, is the Scintillator Doppelbach clocking in at 8%. Uh, so I think I'm going to let that one warm up just a little bit and dive into the red. And then if you all behave and I drink quickly enough uh i might pull out a cider towards the end of the show for the after party so all right 
Let's see. Tech Geek sends over 50 bucks. Thank you so much, Tech Geek. Uh, just wanted to make sure not to miss this week. I'll catch the show later. Cheers. Cheers to you. Thanks for chiming in and uh, watching on the replay. I'm going to say, hey, what's up, Tech Geek, on the podcast as well. So there you go. You got both shout outs. Uh, also, Tech Geek has been this long already, member for five months. And Skull wants to uh, throw the hammer down for 51 months and says, just long enough. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We do have a couple of beers to shout out. First off, Novella Hubs drinking a New Holland Dragon's Milk Reserve bourbon barrel aged stout with chocolate marshmallow and graham cracker. The 2022 edition, 4.27 on Untapped. Wow. Uh, Skulls drinking an apple pie pastry stout from from the uh, Secret Santa Bottle Logic Brewing Company, Electric Eden, 2021 edition, 14.7%. Suddenly I feel woefully inadequate in my selections tonight. Uh, Michael's drinking a Wild Turkey American Honey Sting, 18% whiskey, honey, and ghost pepper. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Hardware Havens got a Founders KBS Hazelnut while troubleshooting a PC and enjoying the stream. Uh, I've not had the Hazelnut version of KBS, but uh, Kentucky Breakfast is uh, one of my all-time favorites. It's a fantastic beer. Uh, except when they put it on tap when the lines used to be ran with a Habanero Stout, as I experienced one time at a tap house. That was uh, an interesting KBS to say the least. All right. Uh, Patrick says, took the plunge and built a home server inspired from this channel. Nothing fancy. Some old hardware slapped together. Any suggestions on getting some sci-fi to put on it? Uh, some sci-fi, as in like shows? Yeah, you put on a pirate hat and, and do a little jig and, and suddenly some stuff appears in your Plex library. Uh, as far as some like fun applications or servers or things you should run, uh, Plex or Jellyfin are fantastic options if you're wanting to do home streaming, you know, a a la carte Netflix that you host yourself. Uh, obviously, tutorials that I've put up for uh, uh, VPN tunnels, uh, both incoming and outgoing, uh, Pi-hole for secure DNS and, and ad blocking and all those kinds of things. Um, definitely some great options. Uh, so yeah, it all depends on kind of what you want to do and Home labs are really fun because they're all about you. You don't have to answer to anyone. Uh, it's, it's about what do you want to learn or what do you want to run at your house? What makes your life easier? Uh, whether it's home automation or video streaming or game servers, uh, Minecraft server, CSGO server, those are all fantastic options. So, And uh, welcome to the insanity and I apologize to your wallet. <laughs> Okay. Well, for only eleven hundred dollars, you could have a sixteen terabyte SSD NAS. That's right. What what's taking rack. you? What what's keeping you from that? It's nothing. When you break it down, I I I still can't believe how affordable that server wound up being. Uh, it's like forty four dollars per terabyte. Yeah, it, it's crazy. The the. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll probably drop a link here. Uh, <laughs> and AJ says, I apologize for no wallets. <laughs> uh, of course you wouldn't, uh, Mr. Expensive Idea Shill. Uh, anyway, uh, 
Yeah, those those Patriot drives were insanely affordable. Now, I did contact Patriot. I did have them send them out, but I chose Patriot specifically because it's a drive that's accessible. Like, like I, I don't... There's one thing for home labbers to show off, like, I'm throwing a petabyte in my home rack. No one does that. Uh, it's another thing for someone to say, I'm investing $1,000. And and that's way more accessible. Or what I started my channel on with, with like a $400 home server, because that's all that I had. Uh, I think videos like that are much more accessible and much more relatable. And so, yeah, the drives that's are cheap. That's why I wanted to use them. Plus the fact that you had your first home server like in the closet, you know, man. Right. That's attainable. You guys you guys want to talk about relatable? Closet server. Closet server. <laughs> Not like this server rack business. Air conditioned server rack. Ironically enough, it's now too cold in my garage, so I just installed a heater in the garage so I can work out there during the winter. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Yet I wear a jacket and I'm a little whiner <laughs> taking pictures of me and sharing it on the internet. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> I, I, I got to keep you in your place, man. You know. <laughs> okay. Uh, there you go. I just dropped a link into the chat. Those are for the 1.92 terabyte Patriot Burst uh, SSDs. Uh, they were $88 when I did the video. Apparently they're down to like $82 on Amazon right now. Two terabytes, $82. Rhett, do you remember last week when we were going, oh my yeah. God, two terabyte SSDs might hit below that. The next morning I woke up and I contacted Patriot and I went, I need like eight of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to show these off. Oh. And uh, actually, next week, I have a video planned that's kind of going back to my roots. Uh, we've got a little bit of Xeon. We've got some Chinese obscure graphics card uh, all going into a single build. Uh, so that should be fun. <laughs> Gearlink says, win 8 terabyte for 100, though. Uh, Probably a couple years. Yeah. Uh, I mean... The drop from one terabyte to two terabyte, I think was insanely fast. Uh, so. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. If I not mean, for COVID, I think we would have done it a lot faster too. Because uh, I remember like 2019, we were starting to see those uh, Intel A660s and, uh, you know, some of the TLC uh, drives hit, hit that $1 per gig kind of level. Uh, and we were starting to see two terabyte prices drop below $200 and maybe like hit $180, but it really didn't fluctuate much beyond that for the entirety of COVID. But all of a sudden that we're now kind of in a silicon, you know, the, the, the gears are moving again. The, the, yeah. Yeah. We're moving forward again. Uh, suddenly there's just this dramatic drop in price. So... I think okay we, uh, by we recovered me. nicely. It's okay by me. Remember in high school, like going into Best Buy and there was, gosh, I I don't even think it was a hundred gigabytes. I think it was 
way less, but a hundred gigabyte external hard drive, you know, it was one mm-hmm. of these desktop ones fully enclosed with LED lights. And I was like 120 bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> oh gosh. I remember when I was in high school spending $200 on an external uh, CD burner. It was a USB. Now, mind you, it wasn't like one of those tiny little, like barely bigger than the discs that we have today or a laptop drive or anything like that. This was literally a desktop drive in an ATA enclosure with a USB 1.1 jack out the back uh, and required its own 12 volt massive power brick. Um, Yeah, that was $200 just for the drive and the enclosure. And now for literally $40 more, you can get three two terabyte SSDs. <laughs> ah. Storage is wild. Yes. And all of our applications yes, just is. keep getting bigger. All of our files just keep getting bigger. So it doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> like we're getting these, you know, massive two terabyte solid state drives, but like average file size is keeping right up with it. <laughs> yeah. I have a one I have a one terabyte laptop right in front of me and it's like it may as well be the equivalent of my hundred gig external back then. You know, like Yeah. For the amount of stuff that I can keep on it at any one time. The 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 really funny thing is I, I bought that external C D burner specifically so I could take the drive out of it, install it into a desktop, and then use the enclosure for a hard drive to migrate things between different desktops or desktop and laptop and and whatnot. Um, And uh, it was cheaper to do it that way than go out and buy the CD burner for like $160 and then the external enclosure for $100. And I'm like, well, I wonder if it's just an ATA cable inside of here and if it's just a... you know, a drive controller, an ATA controller that'll plug into anything. And turns out it was. Right. Way to go. All right. Let's go ahead and dive into the news. By the way, Jeff, glad to see you in the chat uh, and uh, see your recovery is going. Okay. Uh, hope, uh, hope you start to feel better soon, man. So... I just wanted to get that out there before I forgot. Uh, Intel, Raptor Lake, 13900K, first CPU in history to hit 9 gigahertz. Uh, So Elmore, uh, also known as John Sandstrom, uh, and his team over on the Asus overclocking team are the first to break the 9 gigahertz frequency barrier. Uh, on Intel's new Raptor Lake uh, 13900K. Uh, They achieved a peak frequency of 9,008.82 megahertz uh, and recorded the results on Hardware Bot. This was done on an Asus Z790 ROG Apex motherboard, uh, which is specifically designed for high-end overclocking and, and super low temperature overclocking. And Asus not only claims that they now own 14 world records on this specific motherboard, but 
the temperature was recorded as low as negative 250.2 degrees Celsius during their testing. And that's insane. <laughs> like, I I tangently follow the extreme overclocking scene. I, I, I love seeing world record runs like this. Even more so, I love seeing world record, like, benchmark runs. Uh... You know, if you were if you really want to do CPU drag racing or, or you know what I normally call it, you know, like let's benchmark the thirteen nine hundred K in synthetic tests. You know what? Screw it. Throw throw nitrous and 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 LN two at it, and and let's really see what happens. Like, you know, and enough of this racing your Honda Civic down the quarter mile. I I want to see you know top fuel dragsters do it. And, and so that's kind of what this is. But yeah, nine gigahertz. Nine. Heck yeah. That's so wild. Uh, they almost got that CPU as cold as it will be in the Midwest tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> good God. I, I've been seeing some stuff on Twitter about uh, like negative 37 being a, a regular thing outside. Uh, I will say we are, I, I think I led with this at the beginning of the show, we are due for freezing rain to roll in at any point. Uh, I woke up this morning, it was 34 degrees, and that's as warm as it will be for at least the next 72 hours. Uh, and it's not like we don't freeze here all that often. It's just we usually don't get moisture when it freezes. And in this particular case, there was this massive low pressure uh wave that rolled in and when that settles down in the valley and it freezes everything we normally don't get that warm air and the moisture going over our valley well that's exactly what we're getting now and so it's either going to be like a foot of snow or a couple inches of freezing rain uh so it'll be interesting it'll be an interesting couple of days to to see what all happens <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think we have a high tomorrow of 22. Hmm. Uh, okay. So negative so 9, negative uh, 8 Celsius, I, I think, is our high temperature tomorrow, low of like 16. Um, Perfect. And, uh, and then Friday and Saturday don't look much better. So Totally normal temperatures. Totally normal day. Great. Yep. yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You know how I feel about the cold, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you are not a fan. I'm not a fan either, but I think I have a lower tolerance than you, or a higher tolerance for it than you do. Um, yeah, you do. But, uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, me and my family uh, drove over the uh, Cascades this last weekend uh, over to far eastern Oregon. What's really fun about Oregon is you can drive for eight hours in one direction and still not leave Oregon. Uh, like, people forget how large you know, states like, like Oregon is like the Western states, the Western states, you know, like eight hours, you could be from like New York to North Carolina. Whereas in Oregon, it's like, no, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I was even yeah. just going laterally. I wasn't going diagonal or doing weird zigzags or anything. That was just one direction. Yeah. Uh, the awesome, the awesome thing for, uh, um, most of the places that I go in Oregon, because I, I have family, but all of them are like right off the highway. And so I'll go see people in Medford and it, it directions from my house are literally hang a left out of your house, hang a right onto I-5, drive straight for 300 miles. 
<laughs> and, and and that's exactly what this one was. It was take a left off my house, uh, go to the main thoroughfare of Salem, hang a left onto the highway, and drive for 261 miles. Your destination's on the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Lots and lots of fun. Uh, Michael says, Jeff, thanks for all your true NAS vids. Built my system from your videos. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank you. Uh, glad you're glad you're getting some use out of them. Uh, yeah, let's see. I live in Peoria, Illinois. 50 mile an hour winds and a blizzard in the forecast. Yeah, I've been hearing the, the wind and the moisture is hitting you guys all, all at once uh, through most of the Midwest. Um, but yeah, no, Oregon and... Uh, I guess Seattle got snow like two days ago and yeah. uh, and they've been kind of in the thick of it since then. And it's getting colder up there because that same front just hit them. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be a weird couple of... Here's the weird thing with Oregon, specifically where people live in Oregon. So 80% of the population of Oregon lives in the I-5 corridor and most of those live in the Willamette Valley between Portland and Eugene. And it's literally this five to eight mile wide corridor. Uh, and, uh, but because it's a valley and we're between the coastal range and the Cascades, there's 10 to 25,000 foot peaks on either side of us. And then I live essentially at sea level between those. So the ranges are really, really high. Uh, the problem is pressure, low pressure systems can get trapped in the valley. And so it'll freeze. And then it takes a massive amount of high pressure to push that system of weather out and, and warm up the valley again. And so we'll hit these, these situations about once every five or six years where we'll get this cold blast into the valley. And then all the hot air and moisture goes over the top of us. Well, we get all of our rain in December and January it just falls as snow or ice. And so we'll get nothing for four years. And then we'll get like lightly dusted one year. And then the next year we'll get three and a half feet in between bouts of two inches of freezing rain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About every five years or so we have a snow apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Yep. Who knows? I kind of have a good feeling about this one, but you know because it like at least the forecast like where i live it's like yeah it's going to be freezing rain but you have a low of 38 and i'm like well, okay well, well yeah see what happens with that yeah like, and it, maybe it's updated since i last looked like a couple hours ago but um you know and everybody else like uh i was supposed to have some people over friday night and it's like well if i gotta drive through that i'm not i'm like drive through what and they're sharing their forecast and it's like white out blizzard conditions and i'm like you're yeah. an hour away from me <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep uh but it's hitting the rest of uh the united states pretty hard north america i guess so my canuck friends my uh midwestern friends all stay warm and safe out there yep Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they did change it. The high of 29, low of 26 tomorrow. Uh, and it looks like the moisture is held off until tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but Friday, they have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Uh, and they say some warm weather could be moving in, and it could be as high as, like, 53 by Saturday. Or it could still be, like, 30. And Right. 
Uh, oh, and by the way, we're due for three quarters of an inch, half an inch, and one inch, one inch, three quarters of an inch, and a half an inch over the next six days. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yay. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed precipitation on my forecast, but yeah. still... Um, and actually, it's a high of forty and a low of thirty-eight on Friday for me. So, huh. no, they're they're showing I'll have some balmy freezing. They're right showing over here. thirty-three flatline on Friday Woo. for me. So, all right, well, yeah, good luck to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, don't get us talking about weather. God, we'll be on that all night. Although I will say, chat is. Uh, uh, fairly excited about the weather because there is one thing that people universally love talking about and that is the weather mm. why is it, that's like the number one small talk item and it's because it used to be very important to us it matters a little bit less so i i have been arguing for a long time i think that it should be just as important as it ever was like you know but it's not for whatever reason. And that's mostly comes down to like the workplace and school mm -hmm. and like our sort of like, I don't know, the way that we separate ourselves from nature so much. But um, well, now you're getting yeah. deep and philosophical. Well, it's yeah, I kind of think that uh, I often do think that uh, the world moves a little too quickly sometimes. And I, for the longest time, have not been able to wrap my head around why the world doesn't just shut down for the last two weeks of the and I say the world I guess I mean the northern hemisphere which is in the middle of winter right now <laughs> right all of our Aussie friends are like it's freaking summer over it's here it's 38 shut up <laughs> <laughs> but for us in the northern hemisphere it's like why don't we just shut down for two weeks like nobody's doing hardly anything like the amount of people that we've been trying to email lately Jeff that are going on holiday already or email people not responding to mm -hmm. you know bills that need paid or things that need approval or it's like there's so many moving pieces with running a business and all of the you know and none of the all, pieces that yeah. i need to move right now are are moving <laughs> right exactly it's like we should just shut down the last two weeks of december everybody should just hang out spend time at home or walking your dog or I don't know, going to the public library. But no. We got to keep the rat race alive. We got to keep the grocery stores going. Got to buy your toilet paper. Yep. And I guess stock up on coffee because 10 years or so, it's going to be gone. So. <laughs> uh, maybe Oregon will become a, a great coffee growing climate. Well, see, that's this is the, exactly how deep you can get when talking about the weather. Now we're like all the way on climate change and how coffee is going to like disappear if we don't do something. We're like, well, Oregon has a future in coffee growing. That's right. <laughs> we'll just migrate from hops to coffee and give give Washington the hop crown. Like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We could bump it It'll up. All work out. British Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kren says we're not wrong, except it's more like 30 C. Right. So I was just throwing a high number out there. So well, it's like it's like when uh, it's not like this at all. But it's it's just fun. Like when you're watching Bluey, like you do when you have toddlers, that all of their Christmas episodes, they're like hanging out, swimming at the pool. You know, yeah, yeah. Because it's the middle of summer. We just had today. In fact, is our shortest day of the year. But in Australia, it's their longest day of the year. So. Yep. 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 
It's something you don't think about that all that often unless, you know, you're watching The Simpsons and, and Bart is placing a long-distance call to figure out which way the toilet's flush. <laughs> all right. Well, I was going to... I had, like, a good transition, like, 30 seconds ago, but it has since has left my brain, so I'm just going to say... You know who's great? Today's sponsor, Linode. Uh, whether you need to host your own servers, uh, or sorry, hosting your own servers means you also get to host all your own problems. And even the most skilled network engineer will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go. Whether it be for virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit Linode.com slash Craft Computing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's Linode.com slash Craft Computing, and thanks again to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Thanks, Linode. Don't do it. I've grown up since last time, Jeff. Literally. It's Literally. Been a full seven I'm... days, and he's not the same man he once was. No. Nope. Uh, I have to say, this is a mighty fine red ale. What's strange is how actually literally red it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's more of a light auburn brown uh, over here, but on camera, yeah, it, especially with the backlighting, it, with the blue-black backlighting, it does show up pretty red on camera, so... I've uh I'm a big fan of reds but lately I have had a few that are just way too hoppy in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And it's like I should have just got an amber. I just wanted more adventurous multi profiles and instead I'm stuck with this weird hoppy thing that I didn't want. Yeah, the uh, most I, I like that Level and Nkasi both call their beers uh both Dawn of the Red and Fireflower northwest red ales because yeah. they're much closer to ipa inspired red ales than malt forward irish reds uh right i mean they're they're similar but if you're wanting that rich malty brown slash red ale this is not it this is more akin to an ipa uh still delicious and much more malt forward than an ipa is but still very hoppy uh especially with that that northwest um it's not so much the citrus that comes through it's more of the the vegetation a little bit grassy a little bit uh uh gosh there's another descriptor there it's right there it's around the tip of my i guess on the tip of my nose <laughs> anyway it, it, it vegetal no, that wasn't that wasn't quite it. 
But but yeah, it's it's more hop forward than malt forward, but still way maltier than an IPA would be. An IPA, yeah. And that's always why I liked red ales. Just been missing for me lately. Yeah. You know? It's like you and Hazy's. <laughs> I don't have anything against Hazy's. <laughs> I review a lot of Hazy's quite positively. For not tasting like every other Hazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep this show moving along. Um, <laughs> he remembered, yeah. Uh, I may have forgotten the ad spot last week. <laughs> no, you didn't. Week before. One of the one of these shows, I forgot the ad spot. I think it was two weeks ago. It wasn't last week because we literally talked for like an hour before we did any news. No, oh, that's right. <laughs> we did, yeah. And we did the ad right before we did news. <laughs> that's right. Okay. No, we talked about... Uh, we talked about... Was it NVIDIA for 40 minutes? Oh, the, the inflated price of graphics cards. We talked about that for like 40 minutes. And then we're like, I guess we should probably read the ad and then get on to other stories. Yeah. But look here again, it's 637 and we're just now moving into story number two. But I think yeah. that's kind of why people watch this show. I, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And if I... It, it, I've been doing this show now for five years with you, Jeff, and people should know that I will take every opportunity to derail us. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because I want to. It's just, it's genetic or something at this point. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we do have some leaks with some preliminary RTX 4060 Ti specs. Uh, and it's looking like this card will be a 220 watt TDP and use an extraordinarily short PCB. Uh, so might this be kind of the ITX flagship card, the 4060 Ti? Well, let's go ahead and scroll down and take a look at some of the specs. And I have to say, I'm slightly underwhelmed. I, I, I feel there is way too much of a disparity between the 4090 and the 4080. First off, it's almost double the performance just between those two cards. Then we've got the formerly 4080-12 gig, now the 4070-TI, uh, with 7,500 CUDA cores, 6,000 CUDA cores, and then all the way down here at a lowly 4,000 CUDA cores, that's 25% of the 4090. 25%. That disparity has not existed like that in forever. Uh, even, like, if you look at the, the uh, 1080, that was 2,560 CUDA cores versus uh, 3,500 CUDA cores. And then, uh, gosh, what was it? 2,160 and then 1,780 or something like that. Like, they were much, much closer. They were well over 50% of the CUDA cores diving down into the 1060 range. I think the 1060 had 1,280, which was still only a third, 33%, not 25%. Um, so... There's definitely been some some shifting of values toward the top end, and it's starting to feel like the mid-range gamer, number one, doesn't even exist anymore. Because right. I guarantee the 4060 Ti is going to be near $500 uh, when it finally comes out. Um, 
it's still a 220 watt card. Like, Jeez. what was the what was the 1060? What was that? 140 watts, 135, something like that. Uh, the 1050 was a 75 watt card. So, it, ah, uh, yeah, it it just seems a little bit crazy. Uh, where we're at with the market right now, and especially given that AMD is throwing down some legit competition and Intel's not really that far off either with their uh, A750 and A770s. I don't know why Nvidia continues to enjoy the margins that they are when in theory their lead is not that substantial. I I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. And it's not that they don't make good cards like of these are amazing cards. They're amazing graphics cards. It's why are people spending so much more money on those cards than every other card from AMD and Intel? I I, I don't know. <laughs> but no one's going out and buying AMD cards. <laughs> yeah. And I don't and I know think why. There's, there's like a level of perception there too, right? Like I think we kind of talked about this a lot last week with the the story about nvidia's you know i guess you don't call it price gouging but they're you know almost price manipulation um there is a perception that yeah. nvidia is the game in town and you know we were kind of talking about this with um when we were filming the video that uh, that we launched today it's like when you go onto your favorite internet forum figure out what you want to build and buy like there's a level of groupthink that i think goes into it and they go well team green baby time to buy some nvidia right i'm the same way i've it's like i don't think i've ever owned an amd graphics card but you know unless it was like integrated graphics chip on a laptop or something right right but but um yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that. And you see people do that all the time. And I guess the perspective on brands shifts so much. You know, like with guitars, we were talking about this before. Like, remember a decade ago, 15 years ago, people wanted Gibsons. And now Gibson has fallen out of favor. It's like the boomer guitar. You know, now everybody wants Fenders again, which like when I was in high school, that was just unfathomable. I think that's kind of the same thing. People are just looking at it like, well, this is what's in vogue. This is the top game. Why else would I spend my money somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I think it's partially to blame on consumers in general getting a little overwhelmed with all the decisions that they have to make when yeah. they're purchasing their own thing. They want to be told, this is the car to go buy. This is the this is the city to live in. This is the 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 restaurant to eat at. This is the graphics card you buy. That I see this so much on a lot of reviews that I'll post where people have I will do a review on a product and people will come in and say, "I've owned this thing 2 months and it's been the most amazing thing I've ever had in my life." Why did you just watch a review on it if you already loved it? Like, 
it's because they're they're self-affirming their purchase and and proportionally stacking their self-worth and their perception of value onto being confirmed by someone like me right where i hate to break it to you i'm just another guy i'm a guy with a lot of experience in in hardware software enterprise building systems you know i have a lot of experience and i'm happy to share those insights but i'm still just a guy and well and there's really not a lot of room for nuance when you begin to cater to the lowest common denominator and and it's like i don't think that nvidia is necessarily like inherently doing that but as you know computers and i guess like pc gaming in general sort of becomes more and more of a widespread hobby um again like i said there's just no room for this sort of like nuanced conversation about sacrifice right the same thing we were talking last week it's like if you have x amount of money for a build well why didn't you just spend 120 extra dollars it's like you don't understand and nobody wants to has those have those conversations right because it makes it difficult it opens up the room uh for conversation about like well you made the wrong choice or you made the wrong sacrifice or you Mm -hmm. weren't as happy with your purchase as you should be and especially in a time when money is so tight I bet you that that plays a bigger role than we'd like to think. And NVIDIA right. is a guaranteed win, right? If you're spending this much money, you're going to have the performance that you that you want time and time again. Um, and uh, I don't know. You just see NVIDIA being, I don't know. There's just a lot more support uh, there, too. So I think that there's something to be said about that. I mean, I, I do think there is something to be said for automatic guarantee yeah uh if i buy this thing it's going to work exactly as i as i expected it to that's why we all still go to mcdonald's like burger king you know it's it's the guaranteed win yeah you you know exactly what you're gonna get even though there's probably a better value down the road like you drove past two wendy's and a hardy's to go to mcdonald's (laughs) Lord knows there were seven subways along that route, too. It's only you could find four of them. Subway has gone downhill. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're, they're a long way from the, the golden age of the $5 foot long. Oh, man. I I I ate at Subway uh, when we were on our road trip going, going east. And uh, so for those who don't know, uh, my wife and one of my kids have celiac disease. Uh, it is an autoimmune condition uh, that started the whole gluten-free craze. But unlike the, does this have gluten in it, uh, Karen's at, at a lot of restaurants because, you know, I, I heard gluten causes autism or whatever the thing that they're throwing around is right now. Uh Gluten will actually cause my wife's immune system to attack the cilia in her intestines and cause permanent damage. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's really a thing. Uh, now, because of the Karens of the world, we get menus at just about every place, and and there's procedures now for how to deal with with gluten free food and whatnot. And so, I'm kind of thankful for that movement and and that health conscious thing that that happened about ten years ago. But at the same time, it is so freaking annoying to go like, I'm I'm gluten intolerant. No, you're not. 
that, that's the truth with any sort of like invisible illness right you know like people are like oh well aren't we all a little like that okay you don't get it one like yeah i guess there's some ways sure like if there's you eat pizza indicate- and it doesn't kill you you're not right. gluten intolerant but like maybe they have like ibs or they get really like i don't know fogged up or mm-hmm. something after a pizza and they're just like i don't know man i might have a gluten intolerance it's like no okay, you like ate maybe a, no you ate a you, full pie by yourself right exactly <laughs> it's it, it's the same thing with like other like sir like even like neurodivergence you see that all the time when like people like that are asd are trying to like well this is what it's like for me and they're like but isn't it like that for everybody it's like yeah maybe to a certain point you yeah. know but <laughs> then they're good then there's the threshold we're all people <laughs> we all experience the world through yeah. our own two eyes and whatnot but that doesn't mean all of our experiences are the same exactly um but getting off track uh subway is one of the places that usually uh they will carry gluten-free bread they know how to handle their surfaces. It's all stainless steel counters. And so they can wipe it off really quick. They throw, they can throw paper down. Uh, just about every subway we go to is fantastic when it comes to dealing with, with celiac and, and bread contamination and things like that. Um, but I walked into subway for the first time in like three or four years, uh, on the road trip. And, uh, I think I got a foot long steak sandwich. Uh, was sixteen dollars well you bought steak at a subway i understand that i got steak <laughs> do you want to know what the alternatives were i could have gotten like a blt for 13.99 all right uh, and so i'm like well but screw it depends if i'm on gonna how good spend like 15 dollars i'm gonna get steak and yeah. and i think i spent one extra dollar on avocado uh naturally yeah but yeah i mean you're a millennial you have to right i mean <laughs> oh and it was toasted uh by the way say goodbye to avocados too jeff so you may as well enjoy them while you can i know you i'm part of those the are gonna survive <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's uh yeah um, yeah it, well you know still uh, hasn't quite caught up to my legendary 35 dollar footlongs when i was so broke that i could uh Overdraft my bank account to get a Subway sandwich. <laughs> $35. Well done. Yeah, they they didn't like me calling them that for my own <laughs> my own fault, but you know, whatever. Oh, that's amazing. Uh Paul says his son has that and Chick-fil-A is our friend. Yeah, Chick-fil-A uh will do not only their like breaded chicken and things like that that they're famous for, they will do non-breaded chicken nuggets for your kids. Nice. Uh and and grilled chicken for for sandwiches. They have gluten-free bread and all that. Chick-fil-A is another amazing <laughs> one that 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 gets it and actually has procedures in place to handle things like this. Yeah. Um we now, can't eat at most fast food restaurants, the the pair of right. us. We just can't. Now, is that something like when they are making non-breaded chicken nuggets or whatever, like, is that something like they're using like fresh oil and like fresh, like how? There are some places that that will use um, independent fryers. So one fryer for one and one fryer for another. Um, Oftentimes it's still a shared fryer, uh, but the contamination risk is so low 
with a shared because fire. it's right because it's not like right the stuff that is loose is burnt yeah. beyond recognition. And, right. And it, I, the, the I stuff that can contaminate like, has been in 500 degree oil for the last two hours. Right. So and now I guess that's there's nothing was, resembling like, gluten that's left. And, and so there, yeah. there are, there are some things that, that you can let go and shared fryers oftentimes are one of them, unless your reaction, your immune reaction is so extreme that even now, I will say, when my wife got diagnosed, they said, uh, if this was a 1 to 10 scale, and I'm not saying that it is, but if this was a 1 to 10 scale, you scored a 43. On reactivity to to gluten. Gotcha. Um, okay, I was like, is that good? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's very, very that's bad. That's really bad. It's very, very bad. Um, so... Yeah, uh, minuscule crumbs on the counter can can yeah. make her sick. Uh, using a knife to spread peanut butter on a piece of bread and then double yeah. dipping yeah. will make her sick. Um, like it's it's pretty bad. Uh, and and uh, one of my kids is the same way. So yeah, it's it it's a whole thing. I don't know how well, we got onto that from. RTX I was really ragging on. I was ragging on Subway mm-hmm. because we were talking about consistency and video. Consistency, fast there's food, a, there's Subway, the anxiety, expensive, yeah. avocado, global, the anxiety global of change. spending your money. Yes. Yeah. Things are getting so expensive and our wages aren't keeping up with it exactly. So, yeah, we we don't want to. We're all risk averse. We all are. Yep. That, you know, when you're investing money or you're spending money or you're whatever, you're going to take the thing that's going to cause you the least amount of sadness. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, Java says Hardee's Carl's Jr. Yes. They're the same exact company. Uh, Same logo and everything. It's just on the East side of the country. They're Hardee's and on the West side of the country, they're Carl's Jr. Uh, also, the west side of the country for a while had Carl's Jr. and Green Burrito in the same building because yeah. they bought Green Burrito. And so a lot of times you can go get tacos and chimichangas yeah. and things like that from our Carl's Juniors. <laughs> they that stopped doing that a little me. while ago. But. Yeah, that always confused me because I do feel I have this like preconceived bias that like a restaurant that has two restaurants in one must somehow be inferior yeah you know like in my town we have a taco bell slash kfc that's a very common is it yeah there's a a and w slash kfc a and w kfc is the other one hey we can't afford the full lease to this place do you want to have half our kitchen (laughs) i mean at least they both sell pepsi products i guess you know right so there is that but i don't know Taco Bell Pizza Hut. I've yeah. seen those before. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite subreddits is former Pizza Huts. It's buildings <laughs> that used to be Pizza Huts that are now something else. <laughs> nice. Of course. So it's got the same slanted, you know, stucco roof and whatever. And uh, it's like, you know, family dentistry. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Junk food slash high food. Yeah, I guess that's. 
you do want to go to those places because then you have the most variety, I guess, right. for sure. Yeah. I want six soft tacos and a family bucket of fried chicken. Like, where yeah. else are you going to get that? Dang, that does sound pretty good. Right? <laughs> I said it out loud, and then I'm like, crap, now I'm hungry. Got to stop doing these shows remotely because at least when I drive home, I could stop by the KFC Taco Bell. <laughs> I was actually just thinking I might order myself some Domino's tonight for the after party. Yeah, there you go. Dude, their sandwiches are so good. Their sandwiches, so their chicken is good. Oh, yeah. Uh, <sighs> they have a uh, pineapple uh, jalapeno sweet and sour chicken that is just, oh, it is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, here we are still on food. Here we are still on food. You this got- is the other topic. Earlier, I said that there's two things that humans will talk about a lot, and it's yep. the weather. The other one is food. Yep. <laughs> I didn't say that at the time because I didn't want to go into a whole right because uh, we would have started talking about food, but we would have made it here sooner, maybe though. So, but you know what's weird—the <laughs> weather. It... <laughs> but what about taco weather? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Combine them. Uh, Mike sends over twenty dollars. Uh, don't feel the need to answer right away, but how are you finding the performance of those Patriot SSDs? I'm planning on learning VMware vSAN and was thinking of picking up a bunch of them so it can be all flash. That's probably a really good idea. Um, honestly, the price of performance on these is very, very insane. Uh, two terabytes for eighty dollars, all flash. Yeah, it doesn't have DRAM cache. But you know what? DDR3 memory is stupid cheap right now. Uh, like, you can get eight 8 gigabyte sticks for $25 on eBay right now. That's 128 gigs. For, or 64 gigs for 25 bucks right now. Uh, if you have a dual CPU server, boom. For literally $100, you can have like 16 cores, 32 threads, and 128 gigs of RAM. And then... You spend $600 or $700 on SSDs. You've got eight SSDs to throw on that thing. You're sub $1,000 for your whole platform. It, the, the, the value proposition on them is crazy. Now, they are obviously lower tier SSDs in some regard. Are they going to last through petabytes worth of writes? Probably not. But they will probably ask between 600 and 800 terabytes worth of writes, which means you can write them daily. You could write all 1.92 terabytes daily for, I don't know, three years and not exceed their wear. Uh, Incidentally, they also have a three-year warranty on them. So if they do go wrong, hey, you bought new. You can ship them off and get new ones back. Like, it's not like buying used enterprise hard drives or SSDs where you don't know the life on them, or even if you do know the life on them, it's a crapshoot of whether or not they're going to work another six months. And I've invested way more than that in used non-known quantities of, uh, of enterprise drives. So to have brand new SSDs in my home lab, 16 terabytes worth, I'm pretty happy with it. So... Uh, Performance-wise, they've been fantastic so far. Uh, We edited our first video on it actually this last week. Um, And uh, snappy. Very, very snappy uh, is what I can say. I I showed some hard numbers in the video of uh, 200 plus megabyte per second uh, random I.O. 
Um, and uh, part of that's due to the the cache space on the uh, the server. Again, we have 384 gigs of memory in that server, but that can hold basically an entire project in cache at that point. So, but it's still backed by SSDs. So, I'm happy. I'm I'm very very happy so far. Uh, this is a server that's going to live for quite a while on the rack. I imagine if something goes wrong within a couple of months, you'll hear about it. So there you go. I'm assuming DDR3 is cheaper than an EU. 16 gigs, we're looking at 30 pounds. That's pretty rough. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of used enterprise gear. Uh, so I'm talking specifically about registered ECC meant for servers that will not run in consumer desktops. Um, uh, on eBay today, I literally found uh, a guy who had like 30 kits of eight eight gigabit eight eight gigabyte sticks for 25 bucks free shipping. Uh, so lots and lots of memory out there if you have a server that will take it. Uh, as far as standard DDR3, you're probably right about on par at 16 gigs for 30 pounds uh as far as like desktop stuff um so yeah 7 a.m airport taco bell is amazing as is 7 a.m airport taco bell with a little side of uh craft brewery a la pdx Ooh, uh-oh i know that can it's the Mac and Jack's African Amber Ale, baby. Mm -hmm. You know, I I didn't think I would be at this level of my beer, especially given how much I've been talking this episode. Um, but here we are. So I think I might have to dive into my fridge and grab a cider for the end of this one. Uh, X79 board will only take uh, 64 gigs max of DDR3. That is likely not accurate, actually. Most of the Chinese X79 uh, boards will advertise a max memory. The memory capacity is actually up to the memory controller on the CPU. And so if your CPU has a max of 64 gigs, that's probably your max. But if you have something like a... 2667 v2 or 2680v2 or something like that which has 256 or 512 gigabytes max capacity that's where the memory controller is at it's in the cpu the motherboard just links it all to the memory controller on the pins on the chip and so even chinese boards will boot more than their stated uh capacities uh Eight for eight, eight for twenty-five. Uh, link where? Well, now I gotta look it up. Dang it! And then make it affiliate link, and it's a whole thing. Here we go. I found it. Oh crap! He's only got four left. Uh, okay. Fight. Uh, yeah. Let me. Here's a sharp stick, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, while I'm making an affiliate link, uh, Apple adds the M1 Mac desktops and studio display to their self-service repair program. Yay. There we oh, go. I, we sorry, I just logged into my uh, eBay partner program or eBay partner page. Uh, 
And it's great when I post used server gear uh, because my affiliate links go like this and then we'll go boop. And that, uh, <laughs> so I went from about 500 clicks a day to 2,700 clicks yesterday. <laughs> nice. Yay. <laughs> People love used gear. When it comes recommended. That's right. All right, here is the affiliate link for the 8x8 kit. <coughs> there you go. Uh, they only had four of them left. Uh, I think there's more deals out there like that, but that's the direct link. That's the exact auction that I was looking at. $25 free ship US Continental. Ta-da! <coughs> Anyway. Sorry, guys. I'm buying all four. Right. Are you kidding? I've got 16 and 32 gig dims. Like. <laughs> Eight. Get that peasant stuff out of here. Uh, anyway, Apple is expanding their self-repair programs. Now that the Apple Mac Mini M1 is two years old, they figured we might as well give you access to the motherboard and the fan, and that's it, because that's all that's inside. <laughs> um, so again I say uh, Apple is doing just enough to quell right to repair legislation from being passed they're saying no 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 look we offer parts for sale who cares that the motherboard is 90% the cost of literally going and buying a brand new Mac Mini let alone the fact that they sell refurbished Mac Minis for less than the price of that board uh, but yeah. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> That's funny. Well, let me refresh. Yeah, someone sold one of them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, yeah. Um, right to repair. Every time I talk it's about important. this, it seems like I'm talking in circles. And it seems like I'm getting nowhere at all um the hard part is that everybody here watching and listening is probably all in agreement gets it uh, and, and you understands know? and wants to further the cause and and wants corporations to be held accountable for products that they put out in the wild and be able to support them and be able to support independent repair shops and keep products from e-waste a big thing with my channel is keeping products out of e-waste keeping them working and running and doing tasks and serving a purpose, not just like, hey, we shouldn't throw out this Apple II GS because it's useless and you can emulate everything now. Like retrocomputing is its own thing. But when it comes to like learning how to manage servers and and learning how to program or learning how to distribute your program across four GPUs or something like that, those are all valid use cases for home labs. And the idea that these NVIDIA Tesla GPUs and Xeon servers and, and everything are just being literally tossed to the wayside when you could buy them, use them in a home lab, learn to use enterprise software and hardware and further your own career and give these products a second life or buy them and use them in production. Like, I know a number of organizations that 
run exclusively used servers and used workstations because they buy them for pennies on the dollar that they sold for new. And who cares if they're five years old? We need one fifth the performance out of them anyway. Like we don't yep. need that level of performance, but buying them used gets way better performance than the stuff that we'd pay the same amount of money for from Best Buy or Costco or wherever. So yeah. Yep. You guys want to save your coffee in 10 years, start buying secondhand. <laughs> Anytime that you can give an item a second chance at being used in some way, uh, that's like probably one of the single largest, uh, you know, like environmentally friendly things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Like buying a secondhand jacket, you know, buying secondhand computers, buying a secondhand car. Like these are all things that would just naturally have created waste that you've now completely kept out of a landfill. Roy says secondhand coffee. There you go. Time to get your eggshells out. Well, the Great Depression. Yeah. Well, well, that's what Rhett gets at my house is uh, is I'll grind the coffee and I'll make a botch. And then uh, he comes over and I'm like, hey, do you want some coffee? And, I, and he goes, yeah. And so I'll just pour some boiling water back in the pot. So. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's too strong for my tummy. <laughs> See, it works out. I'm like I'm like the the uh, the chickens in the backyard where you could throw all your scraps to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for uh, for me, it's it's not leftover table scraps. It's beer and coffee. Yeah. I can't wait to go to your house for Thanksgiving and go like, what are you doing? We're feeding the turkey. What are you feeding it? Turkey. <laughs> Why not? It's only cannibalism if they're human, you know? This humans is true. eating humans. This is true. That's messed up. Turkeys yeah. eating turkeys. That's just the circle of life, right. everybody. Uh, from someone who had a slight mouse issue in their backyard recently, I can tell you cannibalism is not a human exclusive trait. Never is. Yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Never is, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So, right to repair. Obviously, we're all on the same page. I hate that everything is soldered onto onto the new Macs. Uh, minus the SSDs, but the SSDs are, the controllers of the SSDs are on the boards for specifically the, the, the Mac studio PCs. And so you really don't have any third party options anyway. There's no upgrade path. There's no anything that you can do to further the life of these machines. And given how good the machines are, that is so freaking disappointing. Um, I, I've got a couple of M1 powered machines here. I've I've got a MacBook Pro that I bought a month after launch and and it's literally the best laptop that I've ever used. I've used it daily for two and a half years, two years, two years now, two years this week, uh, actually. Uh, I've used that laptop daily and it has never once let me down in any aspect. And it's, Base model, it's eight gigs of RAM and 256 storage. Uh, But 
man, that thing just plugs away at everything. And it always has battery. And it's just been fantastic. I've got a Mac, uh, Mac Mini M1 that I do a lot of my 3D design, laser cutting, all that kind of stuff on. It, it is my creator PC, my, my maker PC. And uh, I give that thing hell. I, I, I'll, I'll do some super complex 3D printing slicing and, and CAD designs and all kinds of stuff. And it, it laughs and asks for more and it's amazing. Um, but the fact that that PC will live and die as an eight gigabyte, two fifty six storage PC, it pains me. It, it hurts that I can't like, you know, hey DDR four went way down in price. You can get like sixteen gigs for thirty bucks now. Cool. Let me just slot some more into my mini. Oh, well, I don't want to buy a new one, so nope. <laughs> You might have to. Yeah. But it's incredibly frustrating. It is so incredibly frustrating that these machines are not upgradable as good as they are. And it's strictly a a consumerism decision. It is why allow upgrading when we can just force them to buy a new one. And that's part and partial to right to repair, which is why it's extremely frustrating to see congressmen either A, getting bought out, or B, uh, buying into the idea that, oh, look, they, they offer parts for sale. That's totally fine. Yeah. And that's not the end of it. That's, that's not what right to repair is seeking to fix. It's not just the idea of being able to fix your own machine. It's the idea that you should be able to fix and upgrade and maintain your machine in perpetuity. Like not just the life of the machine, but We've had one, yes, but what about Second Life? <laughs> My whole channel is based on Second Life. <laughs> and I'm so frustrated by it. What I find the most frustrating with Apple's, you know, business decision and and obviously the right to repair conversation really circles around Apple in particular because mm -hmm. their whole business model is about how do they trap use maybe trap is, is is a little over aggressive of a word but how do they capture as many consumers in their ecosystem as possible they capture that consumer and they capture all of their money for this market yep <clears throat> because there's no outside and you begin to see how many businesses like circle around that idea how do we monetize our products more? How do we capture more of their dollars and keep them circulating in our ecosystem? Um, and it's like, I feel like the latest, and that's what's funny is like this whole right to repair thing really just feels like lip service to a lot of outrage. And this is, this is like so far removed from this, but I do feel like it's a symptom of the, the culture that Apple created uh, which is like the latest people to like really do this is like Wizards of the Coast uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. D and D, the yeah, the uh, the like, uh, Open GN or what? What is the licensing? Yeah, o OGL, the, uh, open, OGL, OGL, yeah, o Open Game License. Yes, and it's like yeah. So anybody who's been on Twitter has probably seen some of this if you're plugged in like the tabletop space or anything. Yeah. Oh my God, like. Hasbro went out there because Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast. So they just have heaps of money compared to all of the other game companies. Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
we haven't monetized this game enough. And anybody who is in the Dungeons and Dragons ecosystem knows that that is just not true. Right. Every point uh, one edition of the volume is seventy five dollars, and ugh. yeah, it, the books are expensive. And every time they release a book, there's a whole array of errata and rule changes and errata things like this. esoterra. I think is the word you were trying to say. I think errata is like. <sighs> errors that they're fixing i know okay. errata makes it sound like errata okay 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 maybe it maybe it's pronounced errata i don't know but it's like my understanding is that superfluous it's, like, it's, like, it's errors yes. that they are fixing gotcha like, things gotcha. that are outdated now and you you were one syllable away from demonetizing the entire channel <laughs> yeah for sure D, &D, D errata how did we get there <laughs> Rule 34, baby. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, see, and Skull Keep is talking, in the I'm going to grab another beer. Skull's in the chat, and he's saying D&D &D Beyond uh, also being bought last year. Yeah, um, and that was kind of frustrating, and it was already sort of frustrating when you're trying, like, the whole world has made the pivot to remote play for Dungeons and Dragons. The whole world has because of COVID. And now it's not enough that you bought the $60 book and the $60 adventure module and the $60 whatever. Like now, if you want easy access in their system, you're buying the books again. You're buying the books digitally for the same cost. And I, and it's like, I do believe that digital books have a right to be as expensive as, as physical copies, I guess, but it's kind of hard to justify when your whole user base has been invested in the hard copies and now you're mm -hmm. pushing everybody to go digital and now you're moving on from 5e the established you know rule base for the last almost 10 years and you're going to expect more people to do this and then your parent company comes out and says that they haven't monetized this enough like good lord anyway that looks delicious same coloring uh, so, as your, uh, so this is red. Ace Cider Company out of California. This is their High Imperial Cider, eight percent. And uh, I had this for the first time this last weekend, and it is freaking delicious. And as you can see, it is absolutely crystal clear, like, like an insane amount of clarity in this thing. Yeah, Skull. I agree with that. He says they should have added a serial number to the physical book that at least lowers the cost or something. And like, that's what they did, you know, and I guess you had like a huge issue or something like that when they did that with like Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Remember, like, you didn't have to buy. If you had the physical Yu-Gi-Oh card, you could put in the code into your game and you could have mm -hmm. it for whatever. And, and maybe it didn't matter because those were all single player like uh, you know, video games, maybe. I don't think there was anything competitive like that. That wouldn't even make sense. Because even Magic the Gathering, they, like, have remodded. But again, that's Wizards of the Coast. They're doing it again. They realized that they could sell physical cards for Magic the Gathering and then digital cards. Yeah. But, yeah, I like the, the serial code idea. I was wondering, if, is there something they can do that wouldn't easily be abused that could throw a bone because everybody wants to play this game legitimately right they want to keep it above board but they constantly again it, it, it's like the usability function the ease of use function that we talk about when uh, people throw up the black flags again is because it's hard to access these materials and they're willing to spend money but 
Like, I don't know, man. Expecting them to double dip and do all that, it's just it's, it's too much. It's super irritating when games like this become completely inaccessible, when they have been nothing but accessible for the last 40 years. Uh, you know, talking specifically about Dungeons & Dragons, but moving into Magic the Gathering, which was kind of the the... If you weren't into Pogs, then you were into Magic. And Magic the Gathering was the the shiznat, uh, a la 1997 through 2005. Like, it, like it, it enjoyed its entire... And beyond. And, and, and well beyond, but especially, I, I, I think that, that kind of... That's when it exploded in popularity. Um, mm. But... It was always super accessible. It, it was $7 for a pack of cards. And, and you know, it wasn't obscenely expensive or difficult to find or anything like that. Um, the problem is they started monetizing the absolute crap out of it. And now it's $30 and there is artificial scarcity built into the production system of it where they will only produce so many cards and have you seen actually though how they're in trouble for like actually not implementing the scarcity the way that they used to yes because that was there there was a whole market behind magic the gathering for a long time and they would only print x number of rare cards x number of ultra rare cards or mythic rares whatever they were called right and that lent itself to this economy that really played out in the competitive scene Mm -hmm. and played out in the meta and drove costs of certain cards and things like this but i guess hasbro goes on record says we're not capturing enough of our we're not monetizing our games enough and they're in trouble for sort of artificially um inflating yeah because they keep they're printing more cards than they should Mm -hmm. and so they're inflating their own game and like devaluing their cards like i (laughs) right like list of things that i didn't think would be a problem but here we are (laughs) like the company that doesn't think they're monetizing enough is shooting themselves in the foot because they're trying to capture a bigger player base or something. I don't know I, what it I, is. I don't exactly, know, but... It, but it's this weird thing where this, this economy sprung out of uh, buying and selling magic cards based on their scarcity. And when they started printing more cards, a la printing more money, inflation <laughs> shot through the roof because it's no longer as rare to have said cards. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, the cards went from like $7 to $30 a pack. And it seems like all the collectors have first dibs on like everything. And so professionals are having a really hard time getting cards. There, There's... If you're a newbie to the sport, oh, forget about it. And and that's my main problem is games that used to be games where my whole family built magic decks. Like that was one of our, our favorite pastimes was building magic decks. And during Christmas, we'd get together and we'd, we'd watch Die Hard and kill each other in magic. Like that was our Christmas. And it was amazing. And... Uh, it's hard to do that anymore because 
none of us are into it because we're not going to go out and spend a hundred dollars on cards to build our decks anymore and we're not gonna do whatever uh um, the beauty is you just hang on to all your cards they don't go anywhere. Oh, I've got just, some gnarly decks. <laughs> then you just play with those cards. My brother was just texting me the other day, and he's like, um, because he was playing competitively a little bit and mm-hmm. just kind of got burned out on it, sold a bunch of his cards, and um, but he hung on to a bunch of his old ones, you know, like before he started replaying again, and like which was like the 2011, 2012, like whenever Innistrad yeah. was sort of big, uh, that whole set block. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I have all my cards still. I have all my cards still from about uh, third edition all the way up. Well, yeah, I stopped playing around the Innistrad days, too, which was, I think, like, God, that had to have been like 10 or God, was that 10th edition? Maybe even 11th? I don't know. It's gone a long time. But um, anyway. I don't know quite how we got here. Oh, Apple's a whole monetization thing. Right. Like just the right. way that they try to capture the market. It, it, it's yeah. irritating to me. It bleeds into everything. It bleeds into everything. It really does. And we're in this model now that have you noticed every single company's trying to go to a subscription service regardless well, of what it is? And it's because and of recurring, recurring revenue. It, it's no right. recurring revenue. And that's what I was going to say is like, Apple was the first one to really introduce the fact that, well, we have a customer base here that will spend this much money to get a product. Mm -hmm. But if we give them a piece of the product, they'll end up spending that money with us instead. Mm -hmm. And then they will be, you know, that was iTunes, right? They go, we have a customer that'll buy an album for $20. But what if we sold them a song for 99 cents? And all of a sudden, they're cutting business away from like CD stores and record stores and all this sort of stuff. And for 99 cents, they captured an entire consumer that will spend way more money than $20 mm-hmm. just getting the hit songs that they want, not yeah. wasting it on the other stuff. Um, Re- Reverend, like- Reverend uh, br- brought up a point that I was trying to get to, but but I, I couldn't find a spot to... S- to slot it in um the sheer hubris of charging a thousand dollars for proxy decks i've started yeah. buying proxy cards for for certain things because i'm not a collector i just want to play the damn game sometimes and uh my oldest uh miss has gotten into pokemon as as of late and she wants to start playing pokemon both the original game boy game she's been balling it out on pokemon yellow and i could not be more proud um and uh but also like hey like i got a couple pokemon cards from a friend of mine and and whatnot and like can we get some pokemon cards and and play pokemon sure so i got an aliexpress and bought like a thousand pokemon proxy cards because we're gonna start playing pokemon together and was I going to go to Target and wait in line for six hours to try to get new release decks in it? No, I just bought the last three years worth of cards for like $45 on AliExpress. I know they're proxy cards. They're they're in no way legit. Like they could not be confused for legit. They're like foil backed and they're, you know, all all of them are stylized in one way or another. But they're all based on real cards, so we can 
now play Pokemon. And and I didn't have to spend freaking $700 on a card game. And and I think that's my my real hang up on on MTG and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and going all the way back to D&D is at the beginning of the day this is supposed to be a game. This is supposed to be a game that I can get into and play. And and I understand you as a company, Hasbro, have a revenue stream to maintain. And and I fully respect that. And and I fully want to support that because you've given me a lot of good memories over the years and I like your products and everything else. But at the same time, I'm not going to spend $1,000 on D&D products. I'm just not. No. And, uh, you know, I think that that point has been proven by the consumer for a long time mm-hmm. with the constant resurgence of tools and um, places to find the content. Al- alternative that... versions. I mean, you, you've got, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got 5e, but all of a sudden Pathfinder is like, pff, it's well, what everyone's going to. And that's exactly how Pathfinder started was when uh, they moved away from 3.5 mm-hmm. uh, edition to fourth edition. And really nobody liked fourth edition all that much. Right. I didn't think it was all that bad, but it was just like not a popular place to be. And so Paizo was able to really capture that market. And they are a small company. They're scrappy. They don't have the resources that Hasbro has or Wizards of the Coast has, in, uh, you know, in conjunction with them. And so, you know, the product that they're putting out, the consumer that they're trying to capture is a little bit different. But, you know, I'm kind of hoping with what uh, Wizards is doing now that you're going to see that happen again. I don't think it will because it was kind of like the perfect storm for Pathfinder to right. really take off. Um you know, and then you have to factor in other stuff too, like, uh, like the hit show Critical Role, which is on YouTube or uh, God, is it on YouTube? Maybe it's just on Twitch. I don't know. It streams every Thursday. You know, with Matt Mercer, like they're kind of the kingmakers of games in a way. And like part of what made Five E so popular, I think Five E came out in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, right around and then. Uh, and Critical Role. Uh, started in 2015 i think and so it's like from right then and there matt mercer switched his game from pathfinder to dungeons and dragons because he thought it would be more accessible and more popular and Mm -hmm. now you do have one of the most popular games of all time everybody knows what dungeons and dragons is um and like more people than ever are playing it and i think a lot of it has to do with that third party outside (laughs) sort of like the same way that gamers nexus can sell a graphics card a critical role can sell a dungeons and dragons product you know so mm-hmm. um i don't know there's a lot of factors in, in to consider with this yeah but yeah. anyway right to repair <laughs> right to repair yeah um, a lot to do with magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons but but that's also why you watch the show like yeah Exactly. <laughs> there, there are so many parallels in so many different industries, and I'm in so many different industries. I mean, I'm, yes, I'm Jeff. I'm craft computing. I do a lot of use Xeons and server builds and crap like that. But 
I also own a home. I'm also a gamer. I also love tabletop. I also played Magic the Gathering religiously back in the early 2000s. I, you know, I, I've got three kids. I enjoy Archer and Breaking Bad and Andor. And I, like, I'm the average. But what don't you enjoy from that uh, last uh, cinematic series? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, okay, we all know about pickles, Jeff. Leave it alone. <laughs> That's why you hated the Pickle Rick episode. Wow. It was I never not the funniest that. shit I've ever seen. But it epitomizes the show. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I I legitimately that episode will just hold a special place in my heart because if, that was like the first time I was like, well, this show could literally just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like, yeah, I'm Jeff with Craft Computing, but I, I also exist as a person and, and I have interests outside of the world of tech and servers and Xeons. Like, it's not all that I live and breathe. Um, and uh, well, no. And in, in fact, actually, Jeff, that's that's part of what. Uh led to our friendship is just like you know a, a person who has a vast array of interests and can talk about a lot of topics from a lot of different perspectives it's like true. that's that's our friendship in a nutshell you know mm-hmm. just being able to like shoot the breeze on any topic you know doesn't necessarily have to be from like a, a professional or like expert level base right but right you know it's fun it's fun to talk about. I need stuff. to go back and I need to re-listen to that VR podcast episode or episodes because oh, yeah. I talked so long it was two episodes. It was two episodes, yeah, and it was pretty early in the podcast. Yeah, I think it was before. I looked this up on the show one time, and I think mm-hmm. it's like probably around episode twenty of our podcast mm-hmm. of Game Devs Quest. Um, so there you go. You guys can look it up. It's where me and Jeff met. Yeah, <laughs> talking about VR and we knew each other stuff. tangently for like six months before that. Like, yeah, I, like I I'd like come in and done some VR. Yeah, and... we we had we had common friends and and yeah. uh, both knew John who owned the tap house, and so we would both hang out there quite a bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah, back when bars were okay to be in for a long time, <laughs> right. many days a week. <laughs> Uh, I miss those days when I was in the bar like four days a week. Yeah. Part me of me too. misses those days. Let's see. I do have the podcast in front of me and I'm scrolling and it is. Oh, boy. I don't know. Yeah, you're in the 20s. Because, yeah, you approached me and you're like, yeah, my friend and I do a podcast and we haven't tried VR yet. And uh, would you be a guest on the podcast and talk about like VR and the trajectory of it and people's first experiences with it? Because um, I've talked about this before on this show, but uh, one of the things that I did to help bankroll starting a YouTube channel because I knew it was going to be an expensive endeavor. I didn't know it would be this expensive or take me this far, but... One of the things I did was I started a VR arcade above John's bar. And so uh, 
two to three days a week, we would run VR in a little 600 square foot loft above John's bar. And I would give people the opportunity to try VR. I would start different experiences for them, whether it was Richie's Plank Experience or the lab where they could, you know, shoot bows and arrows at stick figures or yeah. things like the that. Lab, baby. Um, Arizona Sunshine, go shoot heads off monster off zombies and 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, we also started holding racing tournaments or hot lap tournaments uh, in Project yep. Cars, and so we would actually have monthly tournaments of uh bringing my whole sit down sim rig in and uh doing hot laps so you got three laps and whatever your best lap was was what went on the leaderboard and because of oregon liquor laws we couldn't advertise like you have to treat take two drinks to to, but it was kind of a gentleman's agreement of two drinks oh, yeah. was the two drink minimum. Yeah, it was a two drink minimum hot lap, and uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yep. But I went on Rhett's podcast, and that was actually one of my first forms of media of being like interviewed and or posted online for any kind of posterity. Yeah, posterity. We we talk about this way too much, but for 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 you guys to show you how all like cohesive this was. One like we talked about this last week, so I don't want to hash it out too much. Yeah, but yeah. like the first the first episode of Talking Heads was July or August of two thousand seventeen. August, yeah. You were on my podcast for episode 16, which was posted on July 3rd, 2017. Do you want to know what's funny? <laughs> episode one of Craft Computing, my X79 build, was July 10th <laughs> So of this is like all right in the same spot here. Yeah. Uh, episode 16 and episode 16.5 um, are uh, Jeff's. Uh, visit uh, <laughs> called what, episode 16 is called virtualize my reality and 16.5 is called live from capital tap room bar vr studio <laughs> <laughs> yeah bar vr was the name of my business bar uh, vr yeah but yeah august 8th 2017 episode one of talking heads yeah so it's like we did this podcast we had a great time and i was like dang dude you can really talk like that was nice yeah i thought like yeah you know i thought for sure like oh we're gonna have to like you know I'm not coach you by any means, but I don't know, like really steer it. Dude, didn't have to do any steering. Yeah. <laughs> just let, just talk the whole time. It was awesome. So, um, yeah, good times, mm-hmm. simpler times, you know, simpler times. Is Rhett still in probation at work? Uh, I'm extending that pretty much indefinitely. I know that's not in line with state labor laws. Usually there's a 90 day probation that's allowed. Uh, <laughs> But we are an at-will state, and Rhett is technically a contract employee. So there is no... Eternal probation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He can be let go for for anything at any moment. You should have seen his face when I brought over a baggie filled with loose Rainiers last week. God, there's six of them in my fridge right now, and I don't know what to do. I can't believe you put them in the fridge. I appreciate that, I put them in the fridge. Thank you. I honestly, like, they were missing, like, the other day. Or, like, I guess, like, Monday I came in and they were missing. I was like, no, he threw those away. <laughs> <laughs> Get those out of here. I was afraid to put them in the fridge myself. I was like, is this a fireable offense? Like, 
guess I'll drink a warm Rainier before I get fired. You know, like <laughs> I was shocked you drank a, a warm Rainier. Like I, I, I ever, I look. I say I don't discriminate, and that's not a lie. I'm not joking. Like <laughs> you know, like I don't discriminate against beer. If if I had a good beer and it wasn't cold, I would still drink it if I had nothing else to drink. That's true. I've 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 had beer warm before, depending on what it is, and yeah. and I've I've said many times I'll try anything once. You know, if <laughs> if it's something new, something that I haven't experienced before, but. I also hold biases against things that I've experienced before that I hate with a fiery hey. passion. <laughs> yeah, like pickles, like pickles, mushrooms. Like those are on the list. Like those are those are hazy IPAs. We don't venture into that territory, you know. Yeah, he only does the hazy IPAs uh, on the show because because the audience has such a discerning palate that mm. he doesn't want to let on that he actually is kind of a, a a rookie when it comes to the the yeah, IPA. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one-trick pony. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's an Oregonian in that sense. He's like, I just want the hoppiest IPA possible. The moment that you put any haze in this, I don't want to see anything. That's right. I don't want that acid burn. I don't want to taste tastes. I just want vegetal explosion in my face and mouth. I'm going to go graze on my freshly cut lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if it's anything other than that, I'm pissed. <laughs> what is That's it? what the craft beer scene in Oregon what is this was. Orange peel, grapefruit. Get that out of here. I don't want none of this pineapple passion fruit. No, we're done. Dragon fruit. Not in my IPA. Never. It has to be a Tricera hops or nothing. That's it. Maybe the odd Megalodon. <laughs> I remember the first time uh, I had a... I don't know. I don't know why I, this just jumped in my head. We were talking about Christmas holiday beers last week. Uh -huh. And uh, the Jubilee came up and I somehow didn't mention how much I hated that beer the first time I had it. The Deschutes <laughs> Jubilee. You didn't like that one? <laughs> God, I hated it at first. It's grown on me since. I but thought it I don't was know. really good. The first time I ever had it, which, you know, probably was like 2014 or 2015. I was like, oh, I can't like I'm glad this is just a holiday one off, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> but it's actually I look forward to those. Jubilee is like an IPA with allspice. It is. That's what it was. And I was hoping for more of like a brown ale or like something a little darker, warmer, right, but right. it really is. No, it like... is very hoppy. Yeah, it is. By the way, we missed a, a, a super chat. What? How did I miss what? a super chat? Oh, uh, Mike, I know it's not exactly what you are saying here, uh, but when it but when it becomes easier, not cheaper to pirate your product, then get it legitimately. You need to change your system. Yeah. Yeah. Piracy is not a. It's not an economic. It's thing. not an it's economic not a... problem. It's an availability problem. Yeah. And availability can lend itself in an economic scenario where you've priced yourself out of the market. And I think that's more what we're seeing with D&D over availability, because I can get online and I can order a D&D book off Amazon like that. The problem yeah. is it's 80 freaking dollars. Yeah. And. And so, well, and that's and that's the availability factor, though. You economically, know, like, can go hand in hand, but availability, I think, is the primary culprit of 
of the disdain right now for Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, D&D, Magic the Gathering, etc. If it's convenient and reasonable, people are happy to spend money on it. Look what happened to the Black Flag people uh, when Steam really, really took off. And you could shop the sales and you could hedge your bets on that. Exactly, man. Exactly. You know, we're talking about my 100 gigabyte external hard drive earlier. There's a reason you had 100 gigs of external hard drive. Exactly. And it was because it was really before the Steam store had taken off. And um, it was just a lot easier to, like, you know, mount your your images and, like, hit the LAN party that way. Yep. And I still have a dirty habit, which which has occasionally crept into videos of every time I buy a game, I want an offline copy of the game. Doesn't matter Good what it you. is. Doesn't matter what service it's bought through. I want an offline copy that I can install later. Because if I buy a game, I want to experience. I expect to be able to play it in five years or 10 years yeah. or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so a couple of times in videos, there's shown up cracked copies of games in in my software library on my server. It's one of the reasons I have a NAS is so I can have my entire library of games and software cataloged and easily accessible. Yeah. And he needs The Sims 2 and every DLC that came with it. That's right. Now, because it all was downhill after Sims 2. Now, here's the deal. I own Sims 2. I have the CDs. I have every DLC. Yeah, I, but I the... see them all the time. I move them out of the way to do my work every day. I'm like, why did you put this here again? There's six CDs for the base game. Why is this here? I know. but I was going to install them, but then I couldn't find my giant freaking $200 external CD writer, and I couldn't install it. So, I think you should use the modern CD writer. Honestly, you have that really nice thin one. It's like really the size nice of a coaster. Drive. Right. Yeah. So you it doesn't need to be 2004 again. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> I I have some copies of games that are uh gosh, what would you call them? Flat packed, uh repacked, repack. Yeah. Repack, repacked games. Uh, Dodie and Fit Girl have have dedicated areas on my server because if I buy a game on Steam, I guarantee you I will try to download it in an offline form for the eventuality a, that I'm not able to play that game again. I I had a coworker uh, who kept every hard copy of music that they ever purchased, and they and this person was like a music like aficionado collector like had their collection in a spreadsheet in excel that like so they could sort by genre and subgenre and artist and instrument type and years and and year and and everything man it was it was mind-boggling but he kept everything that he ever bought however he had a pristine you know uh, media server filled with lossless copies of all of these things. And he would tell me, he goes, if the FBI wants to knock on my door, I will show them that I don't have anything in here that I never purchased. Right. That's how much music I buy. And the fact that they produced a medium that was bound to fail at some point, like this CD is unplayable because it's just so weathered and all of this sort of like, it's just aged, right? It's just aged and CDs that is like early on, there was a, a problem with a huge run of CDs is that they only lasted like 10 years they would before be they were like 
right? Right. Delaminate. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And he's like, why would I throw that away? I have I have this collection that looks really nice in my house and I might not be able to use that CD or that CD or that tape or whatever, but mm -hmm. I have the files. And if they want to come after me and say this, I can prove that I own the actual thing. Right. And, you know, granted, the license in that regard, you know, allows you to make copies for your own sort of personal use. At least back then it did. It's, it's not exactly what he was doing. Does. Right. Wasn't exactly what he was doing, but it may as well have been. Right. It's not like he wasn't buying and supporting these these record companies and artists. Right. Like, and and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I have local copies that are pirate copies of like Diablo 2 Resurrected. I've been on on record as saying that one where I pre-ordered Diablo 2 Resurrected because of the uh, promise of integrating LAN play again. I wanted to host a Diablo 2 server and play on it with my friends and specifically my kids. Uh, they were they were very interested in Diablo 2 and, and I went, it's getting a remaster. We should totally create characters and like just bomb through dungeons and like that'll be freaking great. And then at zero hour, they went, well, here's the game. It's all done. Oh, by the way, no land play. Have to have a Blizzard account. Have to have everything else. No. And so I downloaded it off off Blizzard, off, off Battle.net, and I played it for about a week. And throughout that entire week, I got nothing but your account hasn't been updated in, in 24 hours. We need to reconnect. And your account has been blah, 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 blah. And... and and I had such a difficult time playing the game that I uninstalled it. I went, screw it. I'm not going to play it until I already mentioned the name of a repacker who may have recently cracked Diablo 2 uh, until they cracked Diablo 2 to run offline. And then I downloaded that copy. But guess what? I bought, I beta tested freaking Diablo 2. Uh <laughs> Then I bought Diablo 2, I bought Lord of Destruction, I bought Diablo 2 Resurrected. Blizzard got their money from me. I just want to play the goddamn game. Yeah. And yeah, I I have a repack on on my server. I don't care. I don't care who knows that because to me that's a transition of license. That is a legal way to play a game is you can subvert online DRM via the dmca that's part of the dmca that a lot of companies use to take things down it's also used to prop things up like i don't have to connect to your online server if i want to play the game i bought a license to the software it's still valid if i don't connect to you yeah stop trying to capture our consumer dollars mm -hmm. you don't have to copy apple and everything they do right right you know, like Epic taking down Unreal off of uh, Steam this last week. That's a thing. Was it this last week? Maybe it was the week before. But Unreal, the original, is no longer available for purchase on Steam and maybe even other platforms. Uh, people thought like, oh, they're just like update. They're doing something. Nope. Gone. Not there anymore. Yeah. No, Unreal has been basically wiped from existence. Luckily, I still have my CDs. Right. Luckily, I still have other install medium. May or may not be on a server that's three times backed up. 
Lots and lots of Linux ISOs. Lots of Linux ISOs. <laughs> Even the dirty so ones. So many Linux ISOs. <laughs> you want to explain how you learned that reference? Uh, yeah, Jeff was making a video and he kept referencing Linux ISOs. And I was like, what is it? Like, that's clearly like an inside joke that I don't understand. He's like, oh, it is. <laughs> he means porn or pirated software. <laughs> But we say Linux ISOs because that's the thing that we can say out loud. <laughs> so now I'm in on the joke. Yes. It's pretty cool, actually, how that works. Permanent licenses uh, don't exist anymore. MIRC used to have uh, uh, permanent licenses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of games, they're coming down to service agreements uh, in, in and not perpetual licensing is what we would normally call that not permanent licensing but perpetual licensing where if i bought a cd for a game i have the right to install that cd and the software in inside of it onto a pc and then play that so long as the cd was placed in the pc that was old school drm uh cd's not present so you have to insert the cd into the drive to be able to play, like able to play the game um and then it was Steam. Steam, you would you would install Steam and you could only run one game at a time on Steam, but you could run any game you wanted on as many computers as you wanted so long as only one was running at a time. And that's still pretty much the way Steam works. Um, and as long as you bought the game, for the most part, Steam still honors that where they don't sell Crisis on Steam anymore, but I still own Steam on Crisis and I can install Steam from Crisis. But what happens if that goes away? What happens if EA goes, you know what? We don't want to honor those licenses anymore. Well, then I still own Crisis on GOG. But what if that's not honored anymore? Well, I still want to play Crisis, damn it. And I've bought it at least twice. I have no problems and or qualms pirating software at that point. You know, I've never bought Crisis. Interesting. Yeah. I will say there's not a lot of generational gaps between us, but being able to afford Crisis the year it came out might be one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I was definitely... I think I was like a junior in high school when it came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a lot of games that came out back then that I have since bought. Mm -hmm. You know, like Fallout 3 was a big one that I think of that was sort of in that era... God, I was married. Oh, boy. <laughs> no wonder you can afford things. You were a grown-up yeah. with a job. <laughs> Fallout 3 was a lot of fun. Um, and I've talked about this on the show before. Uh, Fallout 3 had a thing where if you played it on Games for Windows Live on a PC, uh, if you played it at any point during the week, for every day that you played it, they would enter you into a drawing uh, for a number of different prizes. It was like... Uh, Xbox Live for a year and it was like copies of games and things like that but there was a grand prize there was a grand prize offered of an Alienware M17X with a Core 2 Quad desktop CPU Q9600 on board as well as dual 9800 GT graphics cards and SLI in a laptop all desktop <laughs> hardware in a laptop uh Speaking of that, every like five years or so that we get like these torrential snow 
snowstorms. Uh, 2008 was probably our worst one on record, in which we got somewhere around two and a half feet of snow. But in between that, we had like an inch and a half of freezing rain, followed by a foot of snow, followed by an inch and a half of freezing rain, that followed was, by a foot of yeah. snow, followed by an inch and a half of freezing rain, followed by another foot of snow. Like that's kind of how it worked. And, and then it all thawed and like the highways were all wrecked and oh, like it everything. A, it was a disaster. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, during that, that like late December time, um, I had uh, taken my desktop over to my in-laws house because we were all like hunkered there because we had no power at our place for like 11 days or something like that. And uh, it's like, well, we got to keep the cat alive. And I don't want to necessarily huddle, huddle under like three layers of sleeping bags for a week because it's 22 degrees outside. Uh, so let's just drive three miles to the in-laws house. And so we drove to my, my wife's parents' house and I brought my desktop and whatnot and set it up. And on that desktop, I had Fallout 3 installed. So I was playing Fallout 3 during that break. Um, I won the grand prize. I won an Alienware laptop. From playing nice. Fallout 3 on Games for Windows Live. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And look at where you are now. Look where I am now. Now, what I did was I sold that laptop the minute I got it. I literally opened the box, took pictures, and put it back in the box, and then sold it on eBay. Um, <laughs> it was a $3,300 laptop. I think I sold it for $2,850. Um but I paid all of the taxes on the laptop and then went and built myself a Core i7-920 Generation 1 Halem CPU, uh, EVGA Classified X58, dual 9800 GTX Plus GPUs and SLI, dual 80 gig, or no, sorry, 80 gig? No, it was dual 300. Dual 300 gig Velociraptors, 10,000 RPM hard drives and a RAID 0 from my boot drive. And then three one terabyte Western Digital Blacks in a RAID 5 for my game storage drive. Oh, and 24 gigs of DDR3, 1066, because there was nothing better at that point. It was <laughs> DDR3 was like the new thing. Yeah. So I, I sold the laptop and then built myself that desktop and paid the $800 in taxes and was good to go. See, I was late to... <laughs> That's a good bargain. Thanks, Snowpocalypse. Mm -hmm. I I was late to Fallout Three, and when it came out, I was uh, I I got to play a little bit at my friend's house, and I thought, man, this is great. I, and so I went and um, found uh, Fallout One and Two, uh -huh. played the crap out of those on my sweet sweet GeForce Three system that I had back in the day. Yeah, and uh, well, they're isometric, so they'll run on anything. Oh yeah. Including my sweet, sweet GeForce 3. That's right. And, and system with Rambus. Uh, that was that was fun. And then when I finally got my hands on a system that could play uh, Fallout 3, it was like a couple years later. And it, so like maybe like 2009. Had to have been maybe even. Yeah, I think it was 2009. And I was <laughs> my graphics card was a uh, GeForce 6600 GT. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was awful. I'm pretty sure I had like 256 megabytes of video RAM or something. I'm, I'm, so, um, gosh, uh, the system that I played Fallout 3 on, okay, 
Um, it was my second experience with Xeon CPUs. Okay. So I had a system and I, I think we'll close with this. Now, here, here's, here's the highlights of the news. Okay. The RTX 4090 is going to be great, but there may be a Titan coming out. That's a four, a true four slot GPU. So using oh, the yeah. same design as the RTX 4090 and 3090, but going a full like F your case, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going balls to the wall and we're going to gold plate this sucker. Uh, there may be an RTX uh, Lovelace Titan coming out. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I want to see this thing. Because um, remember, we didn't really get a Titan for uh, for Ampere. Uh, yeah. We never saw one. We got the 3090 Ti, but still not a Titan. Like, where's... Give me the wow factor. Like, push me <laughs> over the top. Uh, 48 gigs, GDDR6, and an AD102450 die featuring 18,176 CUDA cores up from the, gosh, what is it? 16,128 or something like that. So a modest improvement of CUDA cores, but doubling the video memory. Um... We've got, uh, buy an $11,500 Alexa-powered toilet because your marriage will thank you. Heck yeah. Because now, Jeff, there's no debate about, did you leave the toilet seat up? This thing will lower the toilet seat for you. Right. So, problem solved. Right. Guys, because, save your marriage. It'll cost $11,000. Because what broke apart my parents' marriage in 2001 is certainly going to break apart mine. Uh, leaving the toilet seat up. Uh, rumor RTX 50 series Blackwell GPUs will bring the biggest performance leap in NVIDIA's history, which is, can I just say a very bold claim? Because holy crap, Ampere and Ada were insane. Yeah. One could hope. One could hope. Not that we need NVIDIA, you know, continuing to dominate, but whatever. Right. Skull says, who's taking the over-under on 3,000? Ooh, I think you're right in line. I, th I think you're right around. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this is like 2899. I'm going to take the under on 3,000 if it was me, but not by much. Not by <laughs> much. Anyway, uh, what was I going to share? I don't know. We did have that final super chat. I think we missed up there. Ah, I think it was a $10 uh, super chat. Michael sends over five Aussie bucks. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, Merry oh, Christmas, guys. Still at work, so can't watch, but always look forward to watching the recording. Looking forward to 2023. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We are too. Big stuff happening. Yes. Big stuff. Big stuff going on. Uh, no, I, I had something that I was going to say. And I about... said, we'll get to the news first. Fallout 3. Oh, the system I played Fallout 3 on. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, so there was a Celeron CPU, a la 2004, that was an overclocking beast. Uh, like, why buy the Pentium 4 Extreme Edition? Just get the Celeron that's like a third the price, but can overclock to the same clock speed. Uh 
So I, I think it was the Celeron 440. Like I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the exact product name, but it, it was a socket, uh, socket 478 Celeron. It wasn't even a 775. It was still a pin grade, pin grid array Celeron. Socket 478, two gigahertz base clock. I had that thing running at 3.8 gigahertz all the time. Uh, <laughs> had a full one gig of RAM in the system. Um, and I think my graphics card was, I think it was an ATI X1800 512. Like it was a, it was a high-end graphics card. It was PCI Express. It was the first PCI Express graphics card I'd ever owned. Um, and I had a pair of Dell 19-inch CRTs. Because I couldn't afford flat screens yet, at least flat screens that I deemed acceptable by those days, because it was freaking 2008. Uh, and and so if you're going to game, you were still on CRTs. And I was on CRTs until like 2010. Whoa, only 2010? God, I was on CRTs until like 2013. Right. <laughs> no, I, no I, I take that back. In 2009... 2009, I bought myself some 20-inch AOC monitors. Uh, and I ran triple wide because I had dual 9800 GTX pluses. So you might as well run... Mm. Uh, ATI called it Ifinity and NVIDIA called it something else. But it was basically the ability to run triple wide displays in games. Uh, so I, I ran that for a little while. Um, but... Uh, and then in 2011, I want to say, I bought myself my first good LCD monitor. And it was a professional panel. It was my HP. It was a 1440p monitor that was factory calibrated uh, because I was looking at doing some Photoshop work and, and leaning towards like, if I leave IT, do I go like videography or photography or something like that? And so I, I bought a monitor that I could do photography on. And sure, at that time, it was only 60 hertz, but it was 1440p and it was freaking glorious. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I ran. I, I ran an overclocked four and a half year old Celeron, uh, single core, single thread, uh, and a gig of RAM. That's what I won an Alienware laptop on playing Fallout 3. Nice. Nice work. That was fun. Good old days. I, I part of me misses those days, and part of me never wants to see those days again. Uh, it's just nostalgia is one of those weird feelings where it's like mostly fake. It is. You can rest fake. assured, it's mostly fake. It the, feels good. The rest of the world going on around me was, can I just say, like complete and utter garbage. Um, like. That's all I want to leave it at. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to dig into that. Oh, yeah. That's all you need. Uh, my wife and I were homeless at one point. Yeah. There's there's an interesting little... Hot on the tails of the recession. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife and I got married in 2006. And uh, we went on our honeymoon and I came back from my seven day honeymoon to discover I no longer had a job because someone at my company had lied 
about uh so i was in sales at the time and someone was saying that jeff is selling these warranties and and promising the moon and undercutting the warranty sales and only doing it for commission and he's lying to customers and he's doing this and he's doing that well it turns out the guy who told management that i was doing that was the one who was doing that and i was the one who wasn't there and they threw under the bus and the managers went oh my gosh like i need to take care of this like right away and so i came back from my honeymoon which by the way is femla oflo protected um uh and because it's a major life change and you're changing your family so it's femla oflo protected I was young, but I knew my rights, damn it. Um, So I came back and I'm like, hey, what's my new schedule? And they're like, you're not on the schedule. And I'm like, like hell I'm not. And uh, so I went from working full time at uh, at a store uh, to having zero hours at all. And I went, well, that's crap. You can't do that. And they're like, well, we just did. And I said, well, I'm going to sue you or report you or whatever else. And they're like, well, you can't do that. And I said, totally, I can't because it's Femla Ofla. And they're like, oh, crap. And they said, well, we can give you like 20 hours at this other store. And I said, you can't do that either because I was full time. I had full benefits. And reducing my benefits is or, or cutting my, my health insurance is a reduction in benefits, which means it's still against Femla Ofla to fire me or or reduce me while I'm on leave for a family change. You can't do that either. I was young, but I knew my rights. And and so they ended up working me at like four different locations where I was living a mile and a half from the store that I was working at. And I ended up driving to like Portland and South Salem uh, from a center point, which was nowhere near either of those uh, to, to go work hours. And they only scheduled me for like 32 and a half, like, yeah, we'll give you your benefits, but we're not going to give you anything else. And uh, and whatnot. And then that job turned into another job, and that job turned into another job. And uh, in between there, there was a house fire, and, uh, and we lost a lot of things. And uh, we were homeless for like six months. <laughs> it was interesting. It was a very interesting way to start your marriage. It doesn't sound ideal. Yeah. So let's just say I'm happy where I'm at now. So the moral of the story, guys, don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen uh... to you. (laughs) Read up on your employment rights via your state or federal rights. God knows I have. Yeah. Got to duke it out with the boss every other day. I'm entitled six rainiers in the fridge. Well, your contract. So there's there's a whole different set of stipulations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've basically only ever been contract. (laughs) This much is true. Better, better for everybody, really. (laughs) I like how at at any point either of us can go. You know what? Just (laughs) (laughs) this is not going well. It's going great. What are you talking about? We'll, we'll we'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, not again. <laughs> Gotta talk to him after every show now. Yep. It's always something. Anyway, that's gonna do it for episode 264 of Talking Heads. Thank you so much for watching. Every Wednesday night here on Craft Computing on YouTube or in podcast form on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Even some of the crappy ones, they'll be there too. Uh, make sure to like this video, subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Follow me on Patreon. Uh, that is 
outside of giving, actually including giving like YouTube super chats, Patreon is where you can make the most financial impact on the things that we do here. Uh, it's where I make the most money and it is definitely where your impact will be felt the most. Plus you get benefits like, like during the show, I'll call out your name if you give a super chat, but if you subscribe to Patreon, you can hang out with me and Rhett, John, Steve the entire week over on the discord server. It is a phenomenal group of people. There are so many cool things going on. We just did a secret Santa giveaway this last week where we all swapped like hundreds of dollars of beer. It was amazing. Um, please, if you're thinking about like giving on 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 YouTube, sending over a super chat, go over there. It your 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 dollar is felt so much more on that side of things. It's not thirty percent that YouTube takes. It's like two and a half percent, and and I get the rest. So seriously, heck yeah. But thank you all for your support. I very much appreciate it. Thank you all for watching. And as always, I'll see you next week.